baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for another chat about what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. And of course, you know by now, opening day has come and gone. Braves season, Major League Baseball season is underway. But we still got lots to talk about when it comes to previewing 2021. And you might be wondering how or why are we still in preview mode? Well, I previewed the Major League roster throughout spring training. Now it's time to really hone in on what's happening on the Braves' minor league system. And to help me do that today, I'm inviting my friend David Lee to check in. He, of course, of BravesProspects.com will have a lot of great insights as we try to get through just a few of the names on the Braves' top prospects list for 2021. Before we get started with that, I want to remind you to subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and, of course, YouTube. Leave those ratings and reviews, and if you'd be so nice as to tell a friend, We'd appreciate that as well. On Twitter, you can find the show at From the Diamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. On Instagram, the show is at From the Diamond with no underscore, and I am at Grant McCauley. And of course, if you missed anything, you can find all the episodes of the show, the articles, and so much more at FromTheDiamond.com. So to talk about the Braves minor league system, the new look Braves minor league system, some changes going on there, which I'm sure will come up as we get into our chat, but really to let you know what's going on with the players that make up the Braves system, particularly their top prospects. I want to bring in a good friend of mine, friend of the show, David Lee. You can find his work on BravesProspects.com. He's got a great newsletter. Make sure you sign up for that. You can also follow him on Twitter at David11Lee. David, it's been too long since we got to talk about Braves prospects, but boy, do we have some good ones to talk about today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Always nice when the minor league season is nearing, especially this year, after not having one last year. So it's an especially exciting time right now. Yeah, I think we're looking forward to that. It's a little bit less of the minor league action than we're accustomed to with the realignment for all 30 clubs. And I know that you spent some time over in and around the Augusta area, and now the Augusta Green Jackets are the low-A affiliate of the Atlanta Braves, of course, joining the Rome Braves, the Mississippi Braves, and the Gwinnett Stripers in the minor league system. Um, not to get lost in the weeds of what minor league contraction and realignment look like, but uh, what do you make of Augusta, and how excited are you to get back out there and see some of these affiliates in action again? The addition of Augusta was definitely like a Christmas present for me just because of the location. <laughs> it's, you know, it's where I'm from originally, and I know I know the people over there well, and I know the area, and I've been to the ballpark many times. The new development, just a couple of years old, and it's a great opportunity for Braves prospects who will come through to uh, get a um, you know an up to date facility to be able to work at for low A, and this is a great opportunity for the Braves to be able to add such great facilities and and to be nearby um, mm-hmm. to Atlanta and um, just all of that. So it's great to be able to add such you know, a great facility. Yeah, I definitely think it is. The Braves have certainly been regional for quite some time when it comes to their minor league affiliates. We're all pretty familiar with Rome and Gwinnett, of course, not being too far from Atlanta, but adding Augusta, that is a nice little bonus for Braves fans and, of course, for yourself. So some excitement there. It's going to be a new-look minor league system. But, of course, a lot of the focus is going to be on who exactly is going to be playing at these levels as we get back to minor league baseball. And I figured we'd dive into what the Braves' top prospects look like now after a year of no minor league baseball, a year of the alternate site, which we'll get for another at least month coming up here as opening day has already come and gone and into the first week of May, it looks like, before minor league system's going to get up and running in full, we hope. But this prospect list, there's some familiar names, and then I think there's some new names. And I guess the best place to start is at or near the top, depending on who you ask. It's either Christian Pache or Ian Anderson. But the news for both of these guys is they're on the opening day roster for the Braves. Uh, they have seen some major league time. They're going to see a lot more of it in the future. 
If you had to pick between the two, who do you feel is your number one Braves prospect? Are we really just kind of splitting hairs between the great arm or perhaps a generational defensive player in the likes of Pache? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it is kind of splitting hairs to go one, two with them. It's more of a one, a one B type situation. There's really no, no wrong answer either way. I've seen some who, who have uh, Anderson first now because they, they you know, bought in completely on the debut last mm-hmm. year and the development of the changeup and everything. And, you know, I see some who kept Pache number one, which I technically have, I guess, just because of, uh, you know, like you said, his generational defensive abilities and just that, that floor that he has. So, you know, like I said, it's really one A, one B between them. And mm-hmm. I think they're both going to be very valuable major leaguers for a long time. But talking about Pache, um, just you know, what I saw this, this spring was maybe pressing a little bit, just knowing that the role that he has now and swing has gotten a little lengthy at times this spring. Um, so he just needs to kind of, you know, work back up the middle and simplify things mechanically a little bit with the approach too, but it'll come with time. And it's just continuing to show great signs of what he's doing at the plate, being right. able to battle and at bats and, just the development he continues to show with his eye and his approach and just all great signs that the hit is coming around a lot more than some people thought it would um, when he was in the lower levels. So just help round out the game a little bit, mm-hmm. help keep him in the lineup better and, you know, just help complement that right. you know, insane ability that he has in center field. So. <laughs> yeah, it's an impressive glove. There's no two ways about that. And we've been hearing about it for at least four or five years now in terms of what he was doing out there and, He's just built that reputation as he's climbed in the minor league level. But as you pointed out, whether or not you want to make a lot out of somebody's spring statistics, I think varies from a baseball fan to baseball fan. I tend to not put too much into it, but I think that we're probably the same, you and I, in that I think the quality of the bats for Christian Pache has certainly improved since the first time I laid eyes on him back in, I believe, 2017. And I also feel like he has grown into that power that people believed was always going to be there. And making all that work and getting things to click at the big league level, that, of course, right now is the challenge that Christian Pache is facing. But I feel like the quality of at bat is something that has improved over time. And even with the lights on real bright in the National League Championship Series, it, the moment didn't seem too big for Christian Pache. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. The power has definitely come. I think people realize that he would grow into a good bit of raw power and He's tapping into it better because he's really shored up uh, his mechanics over the past few years, and uh, he's really tapping into that pull-side power very well now. And also, I mean, just going back to the approach, yeah, he's seeing the ball better than he ever has. He's battling at bats better than he ever has. And just maintaining that approach, keeping things simple, trying to work back up the middle and shortening things up a little bit, I think, are or keys for him and adjustments that he'll continue to work on, you know, over the course of his first season. But just all very, very positive developments at the plate for him over the past couple years. Most definitely. It's been great to see what he's been able to put together thus far. And, of course, an opportunity that folks might have wondered about in the past. Hey, are you going to manipulate the kid's service time in order to gain an extra year? I think that discussion is finally going to be going away with the new CBA. I'm, I'm going to imagine focusing quite a bit on that among many other topics. But the Braves didn't play that game. They had to go to him in the playoffs. They gave him an opportunity in the most important games the team had played in about 20 years. Uh, so I would say Christian Pache certainly earned his stripes there. And I'm glad to see him starting in center field from day one this year and just getting that opportunity to find himself at the big league level as he's continued to improve in the minors. And a similar case for Ian Anderson, who was really starting to establish himself as, I think, the top arm in the minor league system uh, well in advance of his debut. And I know there's Kyle Wright, there's Bryce Wilson. Uh, Not long ago, we were talking about Freed and Soroka and others. But I think Ian Anderson has a chance to be as special, if not more special, than any of the guys we've mentioned based on the way that he has matured as a young pitcher who was drafted without a changeup and talking to Ian, he didn't start throwing it until he became a professional. But I think that changeup is his absolute best pitch when it comes to his secondary offerings and his weapons to really keep major league hitters off balance. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the development of that pitch in such a short amount of time and how far it's come along, it's it's just incredible. Um, And it's a testament to his aptitude and his ability to make adjustments and to apply um, new pitches and to have such 
great success in such a quick amount of time is it's just a great testament to him. I feel like I kinda have to temper my own expectations. Sure. He was, you know, a little on the lucky side with the home run ball last year and you know, he still is uh, developing the curve a little bit more. It didn't really take any further steps forward once the changeup came along, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's still at least an average pitch. And, you know, it's obviously a starter's profile with three major league pitches. But maybe with a little bit of regression with the home run ball this yeah. year, he'll uh, maybe slot a little bit more into that. Where I've had him uh, over the past year to more of that high mid-rotation role, I would be more than happy to see him continue his development further and, and really take that top of the rotation role, which I think is probably a ceiling. I've just continued to slot him kind of high mid rotation, but either way, that's an incredible value and is a huge testament to to his development and what he's been able to do with the change up and just to be able to develop that combination of pitches between the the rising fastball and the change up, tunneling them off each other from the high slot just. He's really uh, developed himself into a very, very valuable pitcher, and he's going to be a good one for a long time. Yeah, I think Braves fans got to see that firsthand, not only with the debut beating Garrett Cole, knocking off the Yankees and the Red Sox back-to-back in your first couple of starts, and oh, by the way, saving some of your best work for the postseason as well. Ian Anderson certainly arrived last year, but still eligible under the rules for uh, perhaps a run at Rookie of the Year this year, which would be a nice feather in his cap. And, of course, it would mean that he's putting up some pretty good numbers as well and continuing to grow as a young pitcher into his role. And I think that the Braves rotation right now is set up in a very good way for him. Whereas last year, Alex Anthopoulos and company were trying to pull every lever they could to find five men to put in the starting rotation. And Anderson finally got that opportunity. It took about a month though, but when he did, he took it and ran with it. But now in the off season, not only do you have Max Fried coming back, you go out and get a Charlie Morton, a Drew Smiley. Uh, you've got the opportunity to get Mike Soroka back. Of course, you got Max Fried fronting this group. I think it's a really nice starting five, and it doesn't really put any added pressure on Anderson the way that perhaps he might have felt last year when he just kind of got thrust into things. But despite any pressure that we might have seen, he was able to thrive in that opportunity, and it's going to be fun to watch him continue to grow as a big league pitcher with a full allotment of starts over a 162-game season. Yeah, and I think you make a great point about the additions of Morton and Smiley just rounding out a major league rotation and having more depth. Uh, pitching wise I think will will help Anderson a lot and it's not something that's really talked about enough I don't think is the fact that there's not that pressure like you said that he may have experienced last year and that he definitely would have experienced this year if if additions weren't made so having those veterans in the rotation alongside him in front of them I think is a huge thing for him just to be able to go out every five days and being able to do his thing and focus on his continued development because there will be adjustments. It's not always going to be, you know, a shutdown performance every time out. (laughs) uh, Just being able to focus on his continued development at major league level while not having that pressure is is huge for him. It definitely is. And as we shift from the top two guys, really, you know, you got one outfielder in Christian Pache that folks think very highly of could be a number one prospect in a lot of organizations, certainly the Braves, one of them and an arm like Ian Anderson that could be the number one prospect in a number of different organizations. And then it seems like the Braves have these, I'll call them pairs, if you will. For a long time, it was Christian Pache and Drew Waters, you know, very different players, but rising at the same rate through the minor leagues, getting to AAA in 2019, uh, both kind of having a lost season in terms of development, but Pache being pressed into action when the Braves needed him in the playoffs. And a lot of folks will naturally wonder, hey, where's Drew Waters now? Like, what does this look like for what he needs to accomplish to perhaps get himself to the major league level in 2021 or at worst come into 2022 and be fighting for a job. And then you come into spring training in 2021 and a kid named Michael Harris kind of opens a lot of eyes. If you weren't aware of him before this spring training, you certainly are now. So it seems like, you know, good old Drew Waters continues to work hard, but there's always this guy and Drew Waters or Drew Waters and this guy. So I don't think you have to choose one or the other to be successful, but it certainly seems like the Braves have a couple of nice outfielders after Christian Pache, one in Waters that we know a pretty good bit about, but one in Michael Harris who, like I said, has really made quite an impression in a very short amount of time here already this year. Yeah, for sure. And I've said many times that the lost minor league season last year probably hurt Drew Waters more than most yeah. prospects in the system just because he needed to uh, continue to develop and continue to see advanced upper-level pitching 
and continue to make those adjustments and gain more comfort against it. Mm-hmm. And not having that was definitely a detriment for him. And hopefully he can bounce back and get a full season under his belt at AAA and find some success because he definitely needs it this year just for his hit tool. I mean, the grades haven't changed. Um, I still see him as a, you know, a possibly dynamic corner outfielder. I think he has that ability. He shows several tools. Uh, none of that has changed. He's always going to have high strikeout totals, but just the bat-to-ball ability, the ability to make consistently impactful contact is not something that can be taught. It's a natural thing for yep. him. He's, it's there, it's not. High, yeah, a lot of high exit velocity numbers in his career. So you just got to be patient with him, and uh, he's got to find some success at AAA this year. Uh, as far as you know, making a decision at that spot, I mean, it's that sort of thing just comes with time, and it tends to work itself out. Um, but you know, Michael Harris is coming along very quickly. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of thing that's been frustrating for me and for other evaluators, and that we just haven't had you know eyes on him. Yeah. Um, since he's developed so quickly physically, and seems to really be coming along at the plate. But I just I haven't been able to really make a big difference in my report since a 2019 look at Rome just because I haven't had eyes on them. Um, so you can get these, you know, reports from others, you know, like the all-site and workouts and things like that, but I rely on my own eyes more than yeah, more than anything else. So you know, I just I need to see them here early in the season when it gets started and I can update my report. But, you know, you do see a lot of development physically in spring training and it's obvious that the Braves are extremely high on him based on the many opportunities he got this spring and all of the rave reviews from evaluators, former players, and all of that. And, you know, he shows the natural ability to make contact, a very fluid uh, swing. It's the type of swing that he gets the comparisons to Acuna, just from the right. natural abilities and athletic abilities and natural ability to play. But, I see a little bit of that feel to hit and the fluidity to the swing that I saw from Ozzy Albies at that age. Just the natural ability to make contact from a swing that might have a little bit of length to it, but he makes it happen because it's, it's such a natural stroke. And so it's a great sign. You know, you want to see that sort of thing from a young player. He just lets the game come to him. A lot of athleticism, shows multiple tools. He'll be a standout defender in right field uh, with a, you know, a cannon of an arm. So a lot of tools. Power will come along too. So, yeah, you definitely see it. You understand why people are very high on him. And uh, now he just needs to go out and perform and then pro ball because that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Not his fault because there hasn't sure. been a season to do it yet. But just uh, go out and perform. The Braves will let him hit his way up the ladder. And uh, we'll just see, see what he's able to do this year. Yeah, the wait-and-see approach is kind of where we're at with Michael Harris right now. But you, you brought up Ronald Acuna, and I like to be really careful. And I know you do too about – comparing one to another and having the expectations from one player set those for everybody else in the line, whether that's Pache and Waters, whether it's Acuna and Michael Harris, or whether it's Andrew Jones and Christian Pache. I mean, you just, you have to be kind of careful when you start throwing out certain names, because I think it does kind of change the expectation and each prospect and each player has a different path to the major leagues. And then once you get there, tapping into becoming a successful everyday player, some guys are able to do it pretty quickly. I think they're kind of the exception to the rule. Other guys are able to do it once they've had 150 games, maybe 300 games in some cases. And I say this with Austin Riley in mind in a lot of ways, at least recently anyway, because not everybody hits the big leagues at 21 or 22 and becomes a standout superstar player. They have some success. They have some struggles. And through the combination of the two, they kind of find out who they are. And that's also true when you're climbing through the minor leagues as well, just to get yourself ready for the ultimate test that you're trying to pass in the big league. So uh, to make a long story into uh, hopefully not an even longer question, I really got the same vibe from Michael Harris in that when I was looking at Ronald Acuna Jr. back in 2016, I just hadn't seen enough of him to know exactly who and what he was going to be, what he was capable of, other than I just kept hearing people inside the Braves organization saying, hey, have you seen this kid? He's going to be special. I would go look at the stats and say, well, he hasn't played that much yet. Where did they get him from? And I would go look at that, and because he wasn't a first-round draft pick, he wasn't their number one overall international signee. And I feel like there's a little bit of that with Harris as well because he wasn't a first-round pick. He was a high-round pick, but I feel like the Braves, you know, scouting or otherwise, managed to find themselves quite a gem here, and that feels reminiscent of what we were talking about with Acuna not too long ago. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think back to my first look at Acuna was the very beginning of that first full season for him at Rome. Yeah. And it's a different situation from my first look at Harris because Acuna was just coming out of spring camp. He was energized. He was extremely explosive. Yeah. And so I put up a very big report on him right away just because I saw that explosiveness that you just you don't see from a player that age. And I just I felt from the very beginning that he was going to be a star and he was going to be one very quickly. Mm-hmm. With Harris, I saw him, you know, not necessarily a, a super high pick, not top of the first round or anything like that, but he he was obviously you know, a little fatigued. And I saw him late in 2019 with Rome, um, longest season he's ever played. Players coming out of the draft at that age, that they'll tell you, or it'll show in the performance that they're going to be a little fatigued because they're not used to playing that much. And so, you know, it might not be the best look, and I didn't have the best look on him at that time. But you did see the natural ability to hit at that age at the same time. So that's why I kept, you know, mentioning in my report that, Mm -hmm. yes, it's conservative right now, but, you know, there's a possibility that this report will change very drastically just based on his natural ability to hit and just what I felt was going to be, you know, physical development, which has already started happening. So, yeah, it was kind of a different situation between the two. And like you said, you hesitate to compare players. I, I hate doing that anyway. <laughs> sure, and I don't um, blame you. Yeah, and so it's just so much pressure to put a you know a name next to him like that. The swing reminds me a little of all of these just because it's you know, mechanically is mm-hmm. where I see the comparison, not necessarily the overall player or the performance or anything because I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him either. But just you know, mechanically, I see that sort of similarity between the two and that natural ability. So, like I said, I just kind of hate to put names next to people, but you you do understand why uh, the Braves gave him so many opportunities this spring, and and um, you see the development already. So, you know, it's it's understandable why people are so high on him already. Yeah, and there's a lot to be excited about when you watch him do the kind of things he did in spring training. And I guess my biggest point in Acuna, and I don't know if he got lost in the weeds and, and where I felt the same way with Harris was, you hear a lot about him from inside the organization. You want to get that first look. Ronald certainly passed the eye test from day one. And then once he you know, just blitzed through the minor league system in 2017, you knew you had a star on your hands at that point. I'd like to see Harris get that, that same kind of opportunity to start getting those reps again because uh, much like Harris lost a year in 2020 with having to play at the alternate site, you know, Cunha, even in that season with Rome, missed about two and a half months, I believe it was, with a broken thumb. So you really didn't know yet. Then he went out to Australia and started kind of opening eyes. And that's where it just starts to echo a little bit in the similarity between hearing about a guy like this and the kind of star power he can have. The interesting thing, though, for me, at least now, is we're not talking about the Braves minor league system and expecting these kids to come up and save what was a team that was losing at the big league level. Now they're winning at the big league level, so the equation has changed a little bit as well. But either way, super talented player, and rightfully so. He has opened a lot of eyes to spring training in Michael Harris, and I'm looking forward to seeing him get his at-bats and his opportunities to start climbing in the Braves' ranks and perhaps, as you said, David, very, very quickly based on what we're hearing and what we've seen as well. A couple of guys that have shot through the minor league system and will continue to and gotten even some big league action in the case of one is William Contreras and Shea Langoliers. Apparently, we love tag teams. We've got you know two apiece when we go through these prospect rankings and what feels like an either-or but doesn't necessarily have to be that. But we got our first major league look at Contreras last year, and I know you and I talked about the revamped swing that he had. I saw some video of a home run that he hit at Truist Park during a workout. I compared it to a minor league spring training batting practice session that I'd seen a couple of years ago myself, and the changes for William Contreras – it's pretty noticeable, and I think that he's really set up to be a much more impactful hitter with what he's been doing of late than maybe what he was doing in the early to middle portion of his minor league career and, of course, having to take a, a lot of 2020 off. What do you make of him? And then, then we'll get to Shea Langoliers after that. Right, yeah, I don't think it's any secret at this point that Contreras is my guy. <laughs> Definitely a future solid everyday major league catcher and I think he will be for a long time and I've had that report on him ever since Rome mainly because the athleticism at that age at that position was just something that you don't see every day and I felt like he would he would figure it out uh, one way or the other 
And I think he's taking those steps. And the, the revamp swing was was a huge step toward that. I think that was the difference maker for him to round out his profile. The swing a year or so ago was very noticeable, like you said, the changes. Just much more direct to the mm-hmm. zone, much better, more efficient bat pass that gets on plane better um, to make more consistent and more consistently impactful contact. And uh, he's really made a, a huge difference to be able to use the opposite field. Um, he's tapping into his developing raw power. And just the changes were tremendous for him, um, for his ability to hit and be able to tap into his power. And that really rounds out what is you know, a very valuable profile and that he can both hit and play defense. Defense is still coming along for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that still will be something that he's working on in the future. But He's made big strides uh, receiving-wise as well. I think he's, his, his glove is much softer, and he's showing much better feel to receive uh, than he did in his, in his uh, younger days down to 1B now, and I think mm-hmm. that's helping to just the work that you know he does with the, with the coaches is, is really paying off already behind the plate, and it's just yeah. really showing. He still will take the occasional pitch off, and he'll still have you know the, the occasional – ball that he you know kind of drags out of the zone receiving wise but overall you, you see some really positive signs in his development uh, with catching and he obviously still has the huge arm so it's a great profile I think he's going to be a you know standout athletic catcher who can uh, contribute in all phases and I think he's going to do it for a long time yeah I think he certainly has a very high ceiling and even now at this point I, I feel like the floor for what William Contreras could be has you feeling pretty good about his ability to be a contributor as well and uh, a quick question that is not as much to do with him but maybe just an overall organizational thing and somebody had thrown it at me on Twitter no pun intended uh, in the last couple of days the one knee thing for the catchers that seems to be something that the Braves organizationally have shifted to in the last year or two? Has that kind of been your read on that, or have you noticed that phenomenon? Because it does seem more and more common. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's sort of a reflection of the game overall. And so I I think the Braves are a part of that trend as well. And uh, it seems to be going down to the the lower levels. Just across the board, you're seeing Braves catchers go to that. Um, Yeah, it's definitely something to where you – it's for presenting purposes Mm because it helps present. You get lower in the zone, helps present pitches better for the umpires, and you know it helps keep the body uh, quieter, helps keep the mitt quieter. So when runners are on base, it, it gets a little shaky for me. I had a conversation with a, a guy who um, actually has a, a son who's a college catcher, and we had a conversation recently about that. How you know with runners on base, I mean you kind of have to make adjustments, and it might not be the the best thing you know in that situation, and you, it's. That's the one drawback to it, but overall, you know, for receiving purposes and presenting purposes, I think it's a good, good thing for catchers to be able to do. And I'm glad the Braves are doing it. Yeah, I was curious about that, and I've had a chance over the last five years to talk with Tyler Flowers quite a bit. And I know he's kind of a, I don't know, people have some strong opinions either way about Tyler, who I felt like was a, a perfectly adequate big league catcher as part of a platoon, which was really all they were asking him to do for the most part. But either way, when it came to framing pitches he was a guy that really seemed to be at the forefront of, as you said, the way to present in order to get those calls. And I think that's something that he did uh, quite a bit in the last five years. Now, whether or not the rest of his game was rounded out well enough to you know, make him one of the standout best catchers in the game, I think we all know the answer to that. But I do think it was a contribution, uh, the mindset or the philosophy perhaps of trying to present pitches the best that you can in order to at least until we get robot umpires, in order to steal a few calls here and there, steal a few strikes. And I think Tyler did it about as well as anybody in the big leagues based on the numbers that you'd see year in and year out. But uh, that philosophy aside, the Braves, of course, don't just have William Contreras waiting in the wings. They've also got Shea Langoliers, who they used a very high-round draft pick on a couple of years ago and who I think he's going to be able to hit more than enough to be a useful player at the big league level. But you really hear about all of the things that he does well defensively, including being able to, I think, call games. I think the glove... It certainly speaks for itself, but the arm and the pop times will certainly get your attention if you watch Shea Langoliers play. I got to see him a little bit at Rome for a couple of games last year, and obviously what he's done in spring training thus far. What's been your impression of Shea Langoliers and his time in the Braves organization, and where do you see him fitting into this equation behind the plate long term? I think floor is the proper term for Langoliers. He's definitely a high floor guy because of the glove. He's already 
got major league capable defense. Uh, he's at least an above average glove, if not plus. Yeah. Um, at least a plus arm, if not plus plus. You know, so that side of his game is very obvious, and that's you know that that'll help him carve out a, a major league role for a long time. I think just based on that, it really just depends on how much he hits, and I think that is still in question. There are a lot of positive reviews since the draft. He came out with a good swing, a good approach in his first days of pro ball, and uh, drew some rave reviews for that. Um, it's more of a, a balanced approach, really just gap the gap, make contact. Not necessarily looking to, uh, you know, to yank out, you know, pull side shots all the time. Even though he does have that raw power, but the approach is more of a gap to gap and make contact approach. And you know, there is a little bit of aggression in the approach and in the eye. He will chase a little bit, and uh, it's something that he'll have to answer as he moves up the ladder and faces more advanced pitching. Just how much he'll be able to hit. I've had him as an average potential hit tool, which is enough to play every day at the major league level as a catcher. I don't think he'll ever stand out in that phase but i think he will he does show show signs of being able to hit enough with development to be able to hold his own in a major league lineup you know i have him as a average to a you know solid average everyday catcher you know with defense obviously carrying the profile uh going forward uh, for the braves i mean that you know that's something i've written about some recently because i get that question so much is what will they do in the future and, you know, it's nothing anybody wants to hear, but, you know, it is something that tends to work itself out over time. <laughs> That's right. not the exciting thing, but it, it's <laughs> typically how it works out. Yeah. You know, either one doesn't play up to their abilities at the level, and it, you know, it works itself out that way, where one might hold more of a bench role, or the Braves might get an offer that they can't refuse on one of them. Just, yeah. you know, there are several factors that they're in play there over the next couple of years. Contreras has a little bit of the upper hand just because he's ahead of Langoliers on the ladder. And so I think he'll get that opportunity first. And I think it could come as soon as next year. I think next year should be the target for him uh, to get an opportunity to really play his way into that role. Whereas Langoliers is probably another year or two away. So that might be a factor if Contreras comes out and really plays well right away and is able to take that role. You know, it's going to be hard to you know take him out from behind the plate if he's succeeding right away. So and doing what he's capable of doing, so that could be the answer. But you know, just that stuff tends to play itself out over time. So we'll just have to wait and see. It really does, and I know that's an answer people don't enjoy, and it's one I've heard from managers, whether that be Brian Snitker or Bobby Cox or Freddie Gonzalez or uh, any combination of minor league managers I've talked to over time as well. It's not necessarily about setting the expectation or the bar in a certain place for every person because you know that there's a finite amount of jobs over time as well. So it's not necessarily committing to any one player. It's allowing the process to work itself out and for these players to show you who they are and what they are and what they can do over time. And it typically, like you said, there are other variables in play with trades or what have you. And of course, regression or attrition throughout the minor league system as well. And that's on display on an almost daily basis in minor league baseball, if not big league baseball depending on what your position of need is. But great to have two catching prospects, the likes of Contreras and Langoliers, in whichever order you want to put them in right now, that order could change two months from now or two years from now. And we'll, of course, find out how that whole thing plays out. There's a lot of prospects on the list that you sent over here, and I know we're not going to have time to get to all of them, but I do want to touch on a few that maybe we haven't talked about quite as often. I know everybody's really heard a lot of the discussion about Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright and each one of them has shown flashes and may still get some opportunity here in 2021 to continue to add to their big league resume and start to maybe separate themselves one from the other. But I want to focus a little bit more on prospects who haven't seen the big leagues yet. And when it comes to big pitching prospects, I don't know if they get any bigger than Kyle Muller, who is a fascinating arm, big lefty with a huge fastball, big strikeout numbers, but I'm interested to know how you feel he profiles. We'd love to call everybody a starter and let them start for the entirety of their career. But at some point, you know, there are some arms that just intrigue me as perhaps a bullpen option. Where do you fall on Kyle Muller there? I know he'll start in the minor leagues and in the season in 2021 and, of course, in a starting rotation for Gwinnett. But long term, where do you land on Kyle Muller in terms of starter or reliever? Yeah, you're right. He's You literally can't get much bigger than him as far as a starting uh, pitching prospect. But, yeah, he 
I've been um, writing him up as, uh, as a future reliever for mm-hmm. a while now. I mean, that's based on his control and command. It's just his ability to consistently throw enough strikes and to be efficient enough to get through a major league lineup multiple times. And I just I haven't really been able to see it. That doesn't necessarily take away from him because, you know, it's not necessarily a knock on him because I think he is a major league arm and I think he has impact stuff. And I, I think it can be late innings potential, which is very, very valuable coming from a that huge frame from the left side with uh, multiple wipeout pitches. I think he can be extremely valuable in a bullpen with that upper 90s fastball coming from a tough angle, mixing a wipeout breaking ball. And that will be extremely tough for hitters from both sides of the plate. Just two extremely, you know, standout pitches there that are, you know, have late innings potential. He's continuing to mix in the changeup, and it is developing more. I wrote a little bit about it over the offseason recently when he was ramping up his workouts, getting ready for spring camp. A video in particular that he showed with live ABs, the changeup had really come along. He was yeah. you know, flashing a very good one in that workout. He could very well, you know, mix in three pitches at the major league level that are, you know, are all usable and all have the ability to miss bats. It's just that, you know, being able to consistently locate within the zone and around the zone and just be efficient enough to get through a lot of multiple times. I just haven't really seen that yet. And so I think he's best suited in relief, that imposing presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he really has, you know, solid late innings potential. I agree with that, and the stuff is really the thing that jumps off the page for you, and they'll figure that out, I guess, over time as far as who's going to make that transition, but I could definitely see it with Kyle Muller and not just saying, oh, well, you know, you just don't have what it takes to be a starter. I I guess it's fair to say that all relievers are failed starters if you want to look at it that way, but then again, when you think about your minor league system producing the players you need at the big league level – It's not just about producing all the starting pitching prospects in the world, which it feels like the Braves have had for about five years now. It's also about producing valuable big league relievers. And there's a lot of turnover in major league bullpens. And that turnover doesn't represent a demotion. It represents an opportunity. So depending on how you want to look at it, you know, you can still get a lot of value out of Kyle Muller if he becomes, you know, the kind of late inning arm and and does the kind of stuff that, hey, we saw Tyler Matzak do it in a much different circumstance as kind of a big time comeback story last year. Or if you want to look at Will Smith or what A.J. Minter has done as well, all those things are valuable to the Braves, and perhaps Muller can fit into that equation, and it gives him the opportunity and the path to get to the big leagues and stay there, more so than trying to separate himself from what seems to be a never-ending pack of starting pitching prospects. But I wanted to get his name in there for sure because I do think we could see him this year, and I do think that's a role in which he could play if needed and pressed into action at some point this year as well. Uh, A couple of other guys, though, that I saw a good bit in spring training, of course, in 2020. We got to know a little bit about Bryce Ball. It's easy, just like Kyle Muller, to come away impressed with the pure size of this guy. But for a big left-handed power profile hitter, I feel like there may be a little bit more polish than people realize to Bryce Ball's quality of plate appearances. What did you see out of him? I guess in spring training, really, is the only time we've had a real chance to take a good look at him. What impresses you about Bryce Ball and where do you feel like he may fit into the Braves' long-term plan? Because first base may not be available for him. He was definitely the hype prospect last year coming in with his huge frame and hitting monster home runs and batting practice. So he hasn't quite gotten that same attention this year for obvious reasons you know, with other, other prospects taking him the spotlight. But he's definitely made a huge impression on me again. Um, I was extremely high on him just based on my first look, uh, seeing him at Rome. Uh, his first taste of pro ball, you know, put plus-plus raw power on him right away. But at the same time, he came out during games and he looked different from the, you know, what you, you might typically see from a, a first-base prospect at that level and that he was really, you know, working the zone, tracking the ball very well, and also showing, you know, very good bat speed for his size, showing the ability to make consistently good contact. And uh, so it, it really rounded out you know, his offensive profile more than you typically see from a first-base prospect. Mm-hmm. And that really continued this spring. Uh, I think it shows the opportunities that the Braves gave him against some some really tough matchups, some tough pitchers that he faced this spring. And he really he battled hard, continued to show his ability to track the ball well and to battle at bats, you know, shorten up the swing when he needs to and just to make contact. And he really works the field well for that sort of profile. So 
I continue to say that I'm very high on him, and I, he's, I don't think he's the typical first base boomer bust profile uh, that you might see. Uh, I think he really has good potential to to make consistently good contact from very good bat speed for his size, and I think that'll help tap into his you know immense raw power while also being able to work the field. Um, you know, make, take some gap shots the other way. So yeah, it, the defense is a different issue. Yeah, I didn't put a very high grade on it at Rome, and it's still something he's definitely working on. I think it'll be serviceable enough to be able to play there every day, and I think he does have an everyday profile, which is not something in, you know that's easy to do. Um, it's not easy to put an everyday role on a first base only guy. It's such a tough profile to carry to the major leagues with success, but I do have that confidence to be able to do it, and I think he will hit enough to be able to tap into his power and be an everyday player at first base. You know, going forward, I just have no idea <laughs> what what type of role he might have. You know, within the organization, obviously, assuming you know Freddie Freeman is around long term, and you look ahead to uh, what you assume will be the designated hitter coming up right. uh, permanently. You know, that would obviously be his his opportunity within the organization, assuming that situation. So, which might be best overall anyway, based on his defense. So, you know, if he's able to slot into that role, that would be a great opportunity for him. And I think he has the the bat to be able to do it. Um, I do want to see him perform a little bit more against upper-level pitching. He hasn't really had that opportunity yet. But I think he probably will be challenged uh, by the Braves because they're they're definitely high on him. And uh, I think he'll get challenged this year. And so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to perform right away against better pitching. And that'll help answer, alleviate maybe some of the concerns that may be left over about whether he's able to hit advanced pitching and, and get to it uh, based on this frame. But uh, I think he will. And Bryce Ball, it's important to remember, just because of losing an entire year of minor league development time, has only played 62 professional games. He was a 24th rounder in 2019, which I think is why it really jumped off the page when he kind of took Braves spring training 2020 by storm with the exploits of what he was doing in batting practice and uh, of course, he's a very impressive-looking hitter, I think, all around. But with Freddie Freeman in tow at first base right now, and I think for the foreseeable future, that that's going to be the case for quite some time to come. You also have the possibility that Marcelo Zuna becomes your everyday DH. So I really don't know where this leaves Bryce Ball, but the only thing he can do, as any prospect can do, is play the absolute best that you can and force the big league team to make a decision. And we'll see what decision the Braves make on him. Another interesting case is Braden Shoemake, who's a kind of a versatile player, uh, shortstop by trade, though, and I think is going to be one to watch in 2021 with what he's able to do with, we hope, a fuller season of development for him. I think Shoemake is someone that, as the Braves are making their decision about shortstop with, you know, how much longer Dansby Swanson will be around, whether or not Dansby Swanson gets extended, not stuff that Braden Shoemake can worry about, but... I do think he gives the Braves an interesting option, and he was probably drafted with just that in mind because he is a guy that certainly knows how to hit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the contact ability is definitely there. And, it, you know, you see why the Braves um, for him at that round. I remember reading recently, you know, where he said that the, the Rays were very high on him and were set to take him right after the Braves. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's that sort of profile that makes a lot of contact a balanced approach, this gap to gap, and he shows an advanced eye, uh, advanced ability to make consistent contact to all fields. So the positives are definitely there. They're obvious. He does have raw power to the pull side, but I don't see him being able to, to go to it consistently in game just because of the approach. It's a very flat bat path. It's a uh, gear for contact. So he'll hit the occasional pull side uh, shot, and uh, he'll have uh, some high doubles totals. But, you know, as far as, you know, any home run power, I think it'll, you know, kind of be limited in game. But the hit tool is definitely the carrying tool. Um, I have it as above average. I've seen some go as high as plus on it if they're completely bought in on them. So, you know, he's going to make a lot of contact. I think that's pretty obvious. I do hope that the Braves kind of take it easy on him. You know, he reached all the way as high as double A in his first season. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope they take it a little bit easy on him. Not taking anything away from him, his summer camp look last year and his couple of spring camp looks, they they have been kind of underwhelming. I think he's been pressing in those opportunities. 
I would really like him to gain more comfort against pro pitching. I don't know that he's really – he hasn't really had that comfort against advanced pro pitching yet. So I, I would really like to see him perform over a full season against, you know, double-A pitching and just uh, let him get that under his belt first before you start placing future roles on him as far as, you know, whether he's going to take over a position or something. At the same time, I, I'm probably the low guy on him. My reports have been pretty consistent since the draft that I see him as more of a utility guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have him as high as you know, a starting shortstop at the major league level, and I get it. I do. I just haven't been able to reach that level with him yet. I see him as more of a utility guy who just makes consistently good contact. It'll be a good option at different positions around the infield, you know, providing a good glove wherever he plays with you know, shortstop capability. That's why I have him right now, and I would just like to see him, you know, perform over a full season. Yeah, and I can understand that, and really that's what we're saying about a lot of these different guys because of the effects of losing the 2020 minor league campaign. It's just hard to get a read, I I think, on the projectability of players that, yeah, in 2019 we had certain things in mind. I'm sure the Braves have certain things in mind, but they're also going to need to see these guys go out and perform in order to make a better assessment of where they are right now and, of course, where they may be uh, three months from now, when the major league club could have a need and somebody could roll an ankle or end up on the disabled list with a pulled hamstring, and you're trying to figure out, or the injured list in uh, 2021, as it were. But either way, an injury could open a door for any of a number of the guys that we talked about today as well. And David, you sent me over a packet that I think was 11 pages long and had a whole ton of names that we're not going to be able to get to on this particular show. But I did want to wrap up with one that I think Braves fans are familiar with. He made the opening day roster, and I'm intrigued to see what exactly the Braves' plan is for this gentleman this year. And he, of course, is Waskar Inoa. A trade the Braves made quite a few years ago that, uh, at the time, I think people were, you know, mildly excited about getting another good pitching prospect in there. But he might have kind of been lost in that numbers game back then. But over the last year or so, and of course with what he did against the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series in relief in a game that was pretty much a disaster for the Braves, Waskar Inoa has his stock has been rising for quite some time. Uh, what's your read on where he is right now, and of course where he may fit long term for the Braves, and how well equipped is he as a starter? Or as we said with Kyle Muller, does he profile as somebody who can make a big impact in the late innings? Yeah, so I've had him for a while now as a future reliever. I had him last year as a a future middle reliever, which is starting to look pretty low at the moment <laughs> based on his recent and pretty quick development but I I even said last year that I felt like he was one of the better relief options even at that time Mm -hmm. just letting him work over one inning at a time and just kind of letting him let him fire off his two best pitches I thought even then he was one of the better relief options and certainly now I think he's he's definitely one of the better um, options for the the Braves bullpen this year and I, I think the Braves are showing signs of that I think they had him they have him in that role maybe right now to where he might come in and in a you know somewhat leveraged situation uh, to be able to work one or two innings. I can see that uh, going forward, maybe some versatility to that role. Um, maybe he gets some opening starts um, to where he goes, you know, maybe once, maybe twice through a lineup, but then also getting, you know, some opportunities in relief and some decently leveraged situations. I think long-term he can be a pretty good uh, reliever, maybe a little bit above that middle relief role where I had him last year, maybe more toward like a seventh inning, maybe even eighth inning role. You know, it's two very solid pitches when he's throwing strikes, and he, he seems to be have raised his slot to be able to tunnel the two effectively together better now. The fastball you know, has some, some good life coming from that high slot, uh, getting some downhill playing on it, and it's you know, pretty heavy now coming from that angle. And he pairs it with that wipeout slider that flashes plus. To come from that high slot with that pitch, too, it, it creates a little bit more depth and a tougher angle being able to tunnel those two pitches together. So just him being able to focus on you know firing those two pitches together and working in relief in short leverage situations, I think is, is his long-term best option for him. And I, I think the Braves will, will probably eventually settle him into that role yeah, he remains on the radar right now, making the big league roster over Bryce Wilson, which a lot of people might have shook their head at or not understood what exactly is going on there. But I think that's more about when the Braves need a fifth starter or how often in the first couple of weeks, maybe even into the third week of the season, just based on the off days that are built into the schedule. 
and seeing who's going to be available to fill in that role for a short amount of time before Mike Soroka comes back in as well. So that may have been why Enoa got that opening day nod over, say, a Bryce Wilson, who might just benefit from staying on regular rest and being able to have himself ready to contribute at some point in 2021 if he gets called upon. So, uh, of course, Bryce Wilson, another name. We didn't really get into him today. We didn't really get into Kyle Wright today. Uh, We didn't really get into some of the usual suspects, if you will, that you might have known. We did open up with two of the most exciting rookies the Braves have in Christian Pache and Ian Anderson. Excited about their 2021 season. But as I mentioned, David sent me a whole list of guys we weren't able to get to. So, uh, David, take a minute, let people know about BravesProspects.com, how they can connect with your work, and about the newsletter that you're putting out that will give people all the need-to-know info on prospects throughout the season. Right. So, yeah, if you uh, access BravesProspects.com, that will give you the website version of the newsletter where you access the archive and, and recent posts. And signing up for the newsletter allows each post to come to, to your inbox each morning. Currently on a two-day-a-week schedule, while it's still the minor league off season, that'll ramp up to three days a week during the minor league season with uh, new reports every time I make games and you know all the latest news and things like that, everything Braves prospects related. So I appreciate all the support I've gotten ever since I've had it started. And I'm looking forward to actually having a minor league season to be able to utilize the newsletter now. So just uh, looking forward to its continued growth and definitely appreciate all the support I've had. No doubt about it. He is David Lee. You can follow him on Twitter at David11Lee. You can get a lot of his great insights there as far as Braves prospects are concerned. And then, of course, BravesProspects.com, that newsletter. Great way for you to keep up with the Braves minor league system and really get some great insight on what these guys look like on a regular basis and and some great foresight on where these guys could fit into the big picture for the Braves as they climb through the minor leagues. David does it as good as anybody I've come across. I'm looking forward to going to a game this year with you, David. We'll just pick an affiliate, pick a night, and hopefully watch some great young talent on the baseball field for the Braves this year. How's that sound? Absolutely. I think uh, considering the strength of the system, you're uh, pretty much guaranteed to see some great talent at every affiliate every night. So definitely looking forward to it. All right, me too. I look forward to that, and I appreciate all your time today talking about these great young, talented players in the Braves system. They may have graduated quite a few to the big leagues, but – There's still more on the way, so I look forward to talking to you about these prospects again sometime very soon. Yes, thank you very much. Looking forward to it. So a big thanks goes out to David Lee for all the time he spent talking about some of the Braves' top prospects. Make sure you check out his work over at BravesProspects.com. So that's a great look at the Braves' minor league system as we march through the 2021 season. We'll be sure to have David back on and check in with him about what's happening for the Braves' minor leaguers throughout the year as well. Before we wrap up this show, I want to remind you to subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and, of course, on the YouTube channel. All your ratings and reviews are very much appreciated. And if you like what you've heard, if you'd be so nice as to tell a friend, that would certainly help the show out as well. On Twitter, you can find me at Grant McCauley. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Instagram at Grant McCauley and at From the Diamond is where you can connect with the show. And every episode of From the Diamond, all the articles and other insight, you can find at fromthediamond.com. So that'll do it for this episode of the show, but I look forward to catching up with each and every one of you next week on From the Diamond. Until then, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.